We're in this new series uh, that we're going to take from now all the way through Easter, and it's called Encountering Jesus. Let me read this scripture to you, and then we'll pray. This is John 4, 29, and it says, Come, see a man, talking about Jesus, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Come and see the man. Let's pray. Father, we love you, and we worship you. And right now, our hearts are full because you are good and great, and we love you. Lord, I thank you for your cross, Jesus, we sung about today. Lord, that's the starting point for us. Thank you for providing for the forgiveness of sins. Thank you for the new life that is possible in you. We love you, and we worship you. Right now, would you open up our hearts to hear your word? Speak to us, Lord God. Speak to each one of us as you speak to all of us. And I pray, Father, for the leading and the empowerment of your Holy Spirit. God, to share what's in your heart. We love you. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. So in this new series called Encountering Jesus, what we're going to do is we are going to look at people in the New Testament who encountered Jesus. And we're going to see what they learned about Jesus, what was revealed about Jesus as they entered uh, into this uh, interaction, this encounter with him. And this series is going to take us all the way to Easter. You like how we're going to focus on Jesus all the way to Easter? It's almost like it was planned that way, right? Um, you know, when we, um, when we honor the greatest sacrifice that Jesus has ever made, that's, that's something that we'll do in Easter. And Easter is also the time when we're going to honor the greatest victory that was ever made, which was the resurrection on the cross. It's amazing, this dichotomy of two, two things. He pays for our sins with his death, and he overcomes and brings new life with his victory through the resurrection. And that, in a nutshell, is our life in Christ, that we get to die to our sins and be raised to life in Jesus. Amen? We're going to go into John chapter 1 today, and um, I'm going to read several verses out of John chapter 1. We'll start in verse 35, and where we're picking up is this guy named John the Baptist. John the Baptist is in the New Testament. He's actually related to Jesus, and he's this uh, forerunner. He came um, into the picture, and he was preaching repentance, which means to change your mind or to change your heart about the matter, to turn away from the way that you were doing things and to do things the way that God would call us to do. He was preaching. This message of repentance and the reason they called him John the Baptist get this is because he was baptizing people Uh, and he even baptized Jesus. That's pretty pretty good one right there. And so John the Baptist is preaching and sharing and he's got a lot of credibility. He's um, sharing with with people and he's even got these his own followers these disciples and that's where we're going to pick up in verse 35 of John chapter 1 it says this the next day John was there again with two disciples. When they saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent the day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew Simon Peter's brother was one of the two who heard what John had said and had followed Jesus. The first thing, would you say first thing? The first thing Andrew did was find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him 
to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one that Moses wrote about in the law, the one in whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything come out, out of good come out of Nazareth? You all know like they did that then too, right? It's like West Virginia. Can it? You know. Just kidding. I'm saying it wasn't good. I'm saying it wasn't good. Felt that. Y'all are awake. Nazareth came away. Can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said to him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Now, I want to I know something. How can you look at a guy and say, there's a man in whom there's no deceit? And how does that guy go, how do you know me? I probably didn't say it quite like that, right? Maybe it really was true. It was a humble reply. I just find it a little bit ironic. It's like when God, you know Moses writes about himself in the Old Testament. It says, Moses was the most humble man in all the earth. It's like, okay, we'll let that go. Um, it says, how do you know me? Jesus said, I saw you while you were sitting under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God and you are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that, he added. Very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. You know, with your friendships in life, you have credibility. You know, if you endorse something um, and you say you, your friends are going to trust you and they're going to say, yeah, you know, I, I believe you. If you say, you know what, I really like this new series on Netflix, people are going to go, I might just check that out. Right. John the Baptist is one of these guys who had a lot of credibility in his day. And he had these these followers. Um, he had, a, if you will, his posse of, of folks who were following him and. When John the Baptist says, look, behold, the Lamb of God, which to them would have meant like something very significant because the Lamb of God would represent like the perfect sacrifice, the perfect person to, 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 re, to represent God to us and to be God to us. Like, there's a lot wrapped up into this whole Lamb of God thing. And they said, he says, look, look, the Lamb of God. They listened to John because he's not just a foolish guy with, with foolish words. And so... So much so that Andrew, who was one of his followers, just decides at that moment, listen, if you say he's the guy, then John, love you, man, but I'm going to follow this guy, which was a really good move. You know, he's like, I'm leaving your posse and I'm joining this posse. It's like upgrading from like the monkeys to the Beatles. Like this was big, right? It was like, hey, you're good, but whoa, you know, now I just compared Jesus to the Beatles. Okay. But I, I love the conversation. It's cute because it's like they start following him. Now, sometimes you think about things in your own time and day. Like, they're just following him, and Jesus is like, what are you doing? You know, like, hey, where are you staying? You know, that's creepy. Like, that's 911 right there, right? But Jesus says, you know, come and see, and they go, 
with Jesus. And I, I love what happens next. Because it says in verse 41, the first thing Andrew did was find his brother Simon and tell him. We have found the Messiah and brought him to Jesus. The first thing he did was find his brother and tell him. And then you go on, and in verse 43, it says, The next day after they left Galilee, finding Philip, uh, um, he said, Follow me. Philip um, and Andrew and Peter were, was from Bethsaida, and Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one that Moses wrote about in the law. And so you have Andrew who said, You know what? I need to go find my brother, and I need to bring him to Jesus. And the first thing that Philip does is, listen, i got this friend named Nathaniel. I need to go find him, and I need to bring him to Jesus. In each of these circumstances, the credibility of that relationship is what brought them together and helped make that first connection, that credibility, that trust, right? We had a, a minister's conference here this past week, and a lot, of, a lot of folks served. And I just want to say thank you because it was an amazing atmosphere. We had 75 to 100 uh, church leaders and pastors in here over a, a day and a half period, and they were really ministered to and encouraged. And um, there was so much about who you are and what we did to set an atmosphere where they could just meet with God. And so I thank you for that. And we had old friends and new friends. And we were in the front area here uh, at Monday night praying for people. And uh, this man named Mr. Whitlow, Pastor Whitlow, actually, he came up to me. He, he, he was new, but he's somebody that we've known through people. And he, he walks up to me and goes, that's my son. Now, his son's about my age or so. And he goes, and he's getting prayed for up there. It was right about over here in, in the front here. And, and he looks at me, and he doesn't know who's praying for him. And he's looking at him, and he's going, I don't know who that man is, but will you pray for my son? And I'm like, oh, he doesn't know. So there isn't a credibility there. There isn't a trust there. And I just looked at him, and I said, Pastor Whitlow, I said, that man, his name is Steve Stells. I said, his, he, is, he is my father in the faith. I said, you could not have a better man praying for your son right now than that one right there. And he went, okay. <laughs> okay. But I, what I loved was like the earnestness and the, the passion the man had. It was like, I don't want just any fool playing, praying for my son. And I don't want anybody. It was like, oh, you just don't, you just don't know. You know, there's a lot of people who don't really know who Jesus really is. They don't really know. They don't they have an idea of him through what other people have said or maybe their own perceptions, their perceptions of religion, their all kinds of ideas, but many of you know, you know, when you really meet Jesus, it changes everything. When you really know who he really is, that he is perfectly just and full of grace. That he loves purity and righteousness and goodness. And he loves you. And that he's willing to lay his own life down. Like when you really begin to know who Jesus is, it's hard not to like him back. It really is. You know, Jesus will use the trust that you have with your friends 
to make that connection. Well, but then what? I think some of us get nervous about that. Okay, I make the connection, but then what? I had somebody uh, recently come up to me and say, you know, Pastor Mike, I brought my friend to church, and I introduced them, and they're getting to know Jesus, but they've got a lot of wrong ideas, and they got a lot of wrong thinking, and, and they said this, and I know that's wrong, and this is wrong, and that's wrong, and they're like, how do I? And I was like, relax. What I loved was the ownership of it. I want to I do this right. But it's like, you know what? Just speak the truth. You don't have to untangle every lie. The thing is, lies and mistruths, they can't stand. They, they fall apart. When you begin to take them to their logical end, they fall down and they break apart and they don't quite work, right? And while in the kingdom of God and as, in, as people of faith, there is mystery in what we believe, the truth stands up. And it stands well. And it doesn't need to be defended because it's the truth. It stands well. And the thing is, is like God has hacked all of this. What I mean by that is the Holy Spirit is working. And you see, when somebody hears truth and their heart is open and the Holy Spirit is working, the Holy Spirit begins to connect the heart, the mind, and the spirit with the truth and go, Jesus, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Do you see that? Sometimes we get nervous about what's next. What I love about these scriptures is we see the what's next. You know, you don't, we're not going to see a picture where Andrew is walking with, with Peter and goes like, Peter, just hang in there. Just hang in there. I know sometimes he uses funny words, but just hang in there, Peter. You don't see that. What happens is Jesus looks at Peter and he begins speaking over Peter's future immediately. What I want to point you to is, you know, when people are introduced to Jesus, Jesus has a way of being able to win people over. And he works on a micro scale in the sense that he can meet individuals just how they need to be met to be convinced that he is who he says he is. He looks at Peter and he says, listen, your name is, um, is Simon, which Simon means here. He says, but you will be called Peter, which means rock. And he begins to speak over Peter's life and begins to connect with him. And Peter, when you read the stories about Peter, and Peter's like a visionary. He's an ultra visionary. So when you get a Peter and you start talking about his future and his name change and all of these kinds of things, something in Peter is going to be like, oh, I, I, I like this guy. There's something about this guy that I really like. Like it really ministered in. Where on the flip side, you got a guy like Nathaniel. Jesus handles Nathaniel completely different. He's like, I saw you under the fig tree. And it, and Nathaniel's like, yeah. He goes, and you're, you're an Israelite in whom there is no guile. There is no deceit. And he's like, how does he know me? And see, Nathaniel is this picture of an upstanding, righteous man who wants to do the right thing and be the right guy. And Jesus doesn't talk to him about his future at that moment. What he does is he talks about who he is and where he's been. And Nathaniel's like, Okay, you're the Messiah. Isn't that amazing? Like, Jesus didn't, like, open up a bunch of books and say, well, you see, if you connect this with that and with it. See, he points right to me. He just says, saw you under the fig tree, bro. You're a good man. And he's like, oh, I, 
you're the Messiah. Like he got it. And I think what we have to do is we have to trust Jesus to make the connection with our friends. That he knows how to meet somebody right where they're at. I know you've had the situation where you come into a church or you go somewhere and you're like, you know, what happened that day was just what I needed to hear. It was just for me. And what they don't recognize sometimes is that, yes, it was just for you and for them and for them and for them. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit has been working both sides of the equation the whole time. Been getting that person ready, getting whoever's going to sing a song that day and all those things, getting everything ready to have an encounter with that person. Once once an introduction is made, Jesus takes it from there. Um, I was talking to Christopher Hall uh, a few few weeks ago, and I was asking Christopher, I said, um, Christopher, wave at us because you're like, who's that? That's that. He's right there. So I was asking him the other day, because uh, his parents didn't take him to church as a, as a child, and a lot of people meet Jesus as a child going to church. And I said, well, you know, I'm like, I gots to know, right? So I just started asking questions. So how did you, like, come to be a follower of Jesus? Like, w- what happened? Tell me the story, you know? And, and he said that um, when he was in high school, he had some friends that were part of this club. And the club, they didn't know a lot about it, just, you know, the name is Young Life. It's like, they, you know, hung out together, and one of the teachers was a sponsor in the Young Life Club, and he was observing their relationships and things like that, and they were kind of closer to one another. Their, their interaction with the teacher was different than with other teachers. And so, you know, one night, he's like, ah, I think I'll go hang out with my friends who go to this Young Life Club. Gets there, and he's like, oh, these are Christians. Didn't even know. It's almost like, hold on a minute here. I think what held him there, though, was like the credibility of, okay, these friends are normal people, so maybe I'll give this a shot. It was a long time before he went to it, but then he went to it, and then in the summer, he went to one of their camps. And in the camps, they're talking about Jesus, and one night, it's getting dark out, and they tell the story of the cross and what Jesus has done on the cross. And then they just dismiss them all for a few minutes. Go find a place on your own and just reflect, just have a conversation with God. And Nathaniel, I mean, Christopher goes and sits under a tree and gave his life to Jesus. And it's, you know, kind of that picture of make the introduction, let Jesus do what Jesus does. Because he's really good at winning people. A lot of people think that Christianity is about convincing. You know, Christianity is a conviction. It's a belief and a trust in who he, he is, who Jesus is, the truth, that his word is true, and that all of this is to rescue us and that we need rescuing. Jesus came to save the lost. You know, and I, I don't know where you are in, in your life today, but what happens a lot of times is we hear about Jesus And then something happens in our heart where we begin to believe Jesus. And we go, he's more than a storybook. He's more than a character. Like, in my heart, I believe that he came to earth and gave his life for my sins, rose from the dead. And I believe that he's in heaven. We get to that place of belief. And uh, for some of us, we actually think that that's the point that he's trying to get us to, is like that place where we believe that he's real. But I want to tell you that there's actually a step further. The reason is this, is because 
The devil believes that the Jesus that Jesus is real. Right? So his existence, believing in it, it positions you in the place to then put your faith in him. Which faith is a synonym for the word trust. To put your trust in him. And then you take a step where you go from I believe to now I trust you with my life. And now I put my life into your hands. And I, I want to encourage you today. If you're here today and you go, I do believe. Because, you know, we're not trying to, like, push you over the edge. But I want you to know, if you're here and you believe and you haven't taken the step to say, Jesus, I want to put my trust in you. I just want to encourage you. Like, that is, like, the most holy, amazing, like, special decision that you can ever make in your life. And what God does is that's where it gets so individual because it's like Jesus is like, I want you, and he calls you by name. I want you to put your trust in me, not the crowd, not the people around you. I want you to, in your heart, say yes to me. It's the most beautiful thing. It's amazing how God can love everyone and love you and care for you. Know the number of hairs on your Head. And I just want to encourage you today, if you're in that place where you go, I, I'm in the place of belief. Now I need to trust. It's not complicated because what, what you do to trust Jesus is you go, okay, I trust you, which means what you did on the cross was for me. God, forgive me of all of my sins. I like to use the word all because if I were to make a list, we'd be here a minute. Right? God, forgive all of my sins. The beautiful thing about Jesus forgiving our sins is that he's able to do it because he who knew no sin became sin for us and died on the cross. He took it all upon him, so he has the authority to forgive us because of his blood and because of his life. And then we just start the journey, the simple journey of, Come and follow him. Day after day after day, come and follow him. Some people think Christianity is a game of perfection. Like, oh, then you have to be and be, be, be. And really, it's who you know, no, no. And he transforms who you are, are, are. My wife would probably not like my grammar there. but um, Sorry, I'm self-correcting as I go. <laughs> Thank you, Holy Spirit and my wife. Um, So I just want to encourage you with that. Maybe you're in that place where you really believe in God, but you haven't put your trust in him. Gosh, there's nothing like it. The thing that I think is really cool about young life and, you know, when I was hearing Christopher's story is I've known for a long time young life's mission, which is introducing adolescents to Jesus Christ and helping them grow in their faith. Introducing adolescents to Jesus Christ. Andrew going, Peter! You've got to meet Jesus. Philip going, Nathaniel, if anybody's going to follow Jesus, Nathaniel, it is you, you know. Come on, Nathaniel. Come and meet this Jesus. And the reality is there are people all around us who when they meet who Jesus really is, he will transform their lives. There's a story in John chapter 4 where there's a woman at the well, and we may even do it in the series, where after this encounter with Jesus for a few minutes, and you know, Jesus is breaking all the rules. He's not supposed to be talking to this lady and all, all kinds of rules. 
He impacts her life so much that this woman who came out in the middle of the day to go to a well to get water because she can't hang out with the other ladies and and is kind of ostracized and all of that and is in this sinful life and has this encounter with Jesus. She runs back to the town where people have probably rejected her and and have she has very little credibility. And she goes, come and see this man who told me everything in my life, which was not the truth. He didn't say everything, but it was like everything. Right. Might as well been everything. But she's, she is inviting people that she has zero credibility with. That should be inspiring. Like people who don't even respect her. And she's just so overwhelmed by it to just say, come and see this man. In Romans it says, how can they hear without a preacher? Beautiful the feet of those who bring good news. We, we live in a culture where... There's this paradox where supposedly there's such tolerance for every kind of belief. And yet, if you're a believer in Jesus, really keep that to yourself. And I just want to tell you that we should not obey that paradox. We should and can be proud of our Jesus. And just say, you know what? Jesus has changed my life. And Jesus will change your life. And I'm not as interested in the respect at this moment as I genuinely care about you. And I know that Jesus can change your life because he's changed mine. These, these interactions that, that Jesus had with Peter and with Nathaniel would grow and grow and grow from that because they would have so many interactions but the, the Bible just gives us like these front end pieces, if you will, with their lives. And I, I wonder in our lives who we're in contact with um, that Jesus is ready to move in their life. We had a testimony in our prayer time this morning where somebody said, you know, at work I had a contentious relationship and a relationship where things were not going well. And when I prayed, God told me to love them. And I was like, what? And they, and they started loving them and just started obeying the Lord. And, you know, sometimes you think, man, that's just for my own heart to get my own heart where it needs to be. They came in and they testified today that uh, that person that they were having the struggle with started asking them about the Bible this week. Like, oh, look at that. God's working both sides of the equation. I just want to encourage you, there are people around us. One of the things I love about holiday seasons like Easter and Christmas is we get to talk about Jesus, and people expect us to talk about Jesus. So can I just say as your pastor, go talk about Jesus. Just, just tell people the good thing he's done in your life. I want to encourage you, invite, invite people to church. You know, one of the things that we hear a lot of times when we ask people, like, what is it that drew you to church? I can't tell you how many people said that they walked in the church, and this it's not just this church, there's plenty of them, but they walked into victory and they said it was the first time they felt God. They felt him. What a beautiful thing. You know, sometimes you get people in the room and you just let God do the rest. You don't have to be afraid for them or worried for them because God may just save them. Amen.